Greetings both history fans and film fans. If you haven't already, follow us on Instagram at History and Film. It's a good way to know when new episodes drop or just see other interesting history or film tidbits. And if you have any other questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to email me at simmons at tracknerds.com. And a quick heads up, we have some guests on today and we did have some audio issues. But in our defense, we were recording in four different time zones all across the world. So I think we make it work and cut us some slack. Enjoy the show. So today we have the hosts of the Twin Picks podcast joining us to get some insight. Logan and I are getting ready to talk about The Crown. And as two Americans who enjoy the series, it kind of occurred to us that maybe we don't really have the best perspective as far as how we should be viewing this and what they're getting right, what they're getting wrong. So uh, we do have Dan from the UK and Nicole from Australia to maybe throw in some insight as far as that show and just kind of the crown and royalty in general that we haven't had to experience since we booted old King George. <laughs> so I do think, uh, Nicole, you've at least seen the series. Uh, is that correct? Or parts part of it? Yeah, I literally just finished season three and I'd watched, I watched season four first last year. And then when um, we started chatting with you guys, I was like, okay, I'm going to try and watch the rest of the three seasons and I just finished it. Oh, you got through it. So you have seen I the got whole through thing. It. I have seen the whole thing. Yeah, I've seen four seasons, but I watched the four. I've watched season four first because <laughs> I was interested in lady. The story behind Lady Diana. Oh yes, yes, yes. Mm. Yeah, because I was. I really wanted to see season four, and I was like, "Do I have to start from the start again, or do I? Can I just watch season four and just see?" how that turned out to be and that, that's what i ended up doing but i've i've completed it now so i think it works that way yeah D- yeah yeah and dan what have you seen <laughs> i had a similar thought to you actually because i thought I, I booked it up the crown when you mentioned it a while ago and it did look like each season was kind of its own kind of narrative so i did consider going straight in with season four because that's the one with Gillian Anderson as, as Thatcher, yes, I think. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I wanted to see her Thatcher impression. <laughs> but I did actually start with the first episode of season one, and I, I, I made it a full 10 minutes, full disclosure. <laughs> and um, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't bear looking at Doctor Who. I had an involuntary reaction to just switch it off. Um, but, and then I went back and I looked through some breakdown videos on YouTube and, uh, and so on and so forth <laughs> and comparing real life to, to scenes in the show and that sort of thing. So while I've not seen the show from start to finish, I have some pockets of information. <laughs> um, so, but I'm really relying on Nicole's knowledge of the, oh the, the, the show and the storyline. <laughs> Dan, what did you think about Gillian Anderson's uh, Thatcher? Are you familiar with the show called um, Spitting Image? No. No. It's a show that we had, I think it was in the late 80s, certainly through to the 90s, and it was kind of a puppet show that were kind of character, uh, caricatures of, of politicians and, and journalists and that sort of thing. Okay. And it felt like watching a live-action Spitting Image. <laughs> it was a very good impression, but it felt, it felt like a lot to me. 
But I guess that's the point. That's interesting because every any like critical stuff that I've seen is mostly American, but is all like gushing over. Oh my gosh, Gillian Anderson, her performance is so good. She looks just like her and sounds just like her. So it's yes. funny though that you say that it's like a little like over the top and too much. It's a little jarring. It's um, it's not unpleasant. It's like um, also, oh, what was the Queen movie that came the out? The Queen. <laughs> The other Queen movie. No, <laughs> the Queen. Freddie Mercury. The oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody, yeah. Uh, when actor guy in that, whose name is completely escaped. Rami Malek? Oh, uh, yeah, Rami Malek. Oh, Rami Malek, that's the one. It was. I had a similar thought. I enjoyed it at the time, but it was almost too much, like a, an impression of the person rather than a take, if that makes sense. No, you can see that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, having said that, I saw like five minutes of it, so I can't really, my criticism is not valid, I would say. It's just an observation at this point. Would Spitting Image be the puppets that did like the Harry Potter thing also? I remember seeing like a Harry Potter with puppets and didn't know if that was maybe also Spitting Image, now that you say that. Um, they might have pulled it back. I believe it had stopped airing. Oh, right, right, right. I think Harry Potter was maybe about 2000. It could have still been running. I, I'd have to look that up, but I'm not sure. I don't know. It might be the same people or something, but Rich, that's a uh, that's a YouTube channel called the Potter Puppet Pass. That's what I was thinking of. That's what I'm thinking of. Looking that up. So, of the stuff that you did see, um, or I guess e- either one of you, did you see anything in the show where you were surprised either how how close it was or like, wow, they they got that super wrong. To be honest, I don't know too much of the about the royal family prior to the 90s, so I wouldn't know too much in that aspect. I guess with the Lady Jai uh, season four, there was a lot of like showing her she lost a lot of weight, and I guess in those episodes, like her making her be sick and all that, I was a bit put off. By that, and I was just like, I don't know if they've just creating that to make it, you know, dramatize it a little bit more, or maybe it was it was legit. And I don't know. The I feel like the royal family sometimes they say that the crown is not exactly the same as what this what their lives are. And Dan has watched a a film recently based on Harry and Meghan, and I think. There was a comment about that in that film, potentially. Um, yes, yeah, you made me watch the <laughs> Megan Royal Romance. Um, <laughs> what well, one thing? Um, I think was it Prince Philip, and you'll have to bear with me because I get because they have different names, right? They have their normal names, and then they have their so oh, I, person I of so and so names, the Earl of Sandwich, <laughs> the fancy or, names, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it Philip? Uh, I think in the show I saw on a YouTube video that he developed a bit of an obsession with the space race. Uh, they did show that in the in yeah. the show, yeah, yeah. Apparently that wasn't quite accurate. His interest was sort of the same as everybody else's, isn't this wonderful, but apparently wasn't really particularly interested in, in it. Uh, as as obsessed as he as he was portrayed in the show. That's what I saw anyway. Yeah, I think I read that as well, or, or might have even seen that same that same video. Yeah. I mean at the end of the day, basically we had just after enjoying the show, I was just kind of reading, like, you know, articles or memes and stuff online, just kind of like, it was almost like the, from the perspective of 
the Brits collectively rolling their eyes and Americans watching the crown and thinking it's accurate. But then as we started to do the research, I'm like, well, it seems like it's not, I mean, we understand that there's creative license, but like, I don't feel like it's just, you know, whole cloth making things up, but. No, from my kind of research, it does feel like it's kind of, and I suppose they have to, that's kind of how it's marketed, like this thing that's close to to life. Right. But you can't just show real life because real life. Boring. It just happens. Yes, yes. (laughs) You've got to dramatize these things. Um, But what scares me about this sort of thing is is people in years to come watch it and think that it's kind of history. True. In some of my research, I heard that they had a a documentary made about them in the the, the 60s. That's one of the episodes, isn't it, Logan? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. I forget which season. Two or three, maybe? Yeah. It's in season three where. Season three. um, Philip want, thinks that the Queen should have a raise and they think, oh, you know, we'll create this documentary so everyone can see, you know, the importance of the royal family. And it didn't... They aired this documentary and everyone looked at it and saw that, you know, well, they're just literally just having parties and using our taxpayer <laughs> money. And then uh, Prince Philip's mother... Uh, I think, it, is it Princess Alice? Yes. She's been living in Greece for, like, for decades, and she recently comes back because I think over there it's not it's not as safe, and Prince Philip doesn't want her to come back because he thinks, oh, she'll be a burden on the family, and showing any sort of footage of her on this doco uh, will tarnish the idea of them getting more money. And then... She ends up having an interview with a writer from The Guardian and actually uh, saves saves them. That It shows that, you know, they actually do do hard work. I don't know if that's true or not, but anyway. <laughs> all, all of it seems to be rooted in, like, some truth, and then they just kind of, like, take a little piece and, and run with it, like with the space, you know, space uh, moon landing thing, where it's like, well, it happened, and he was watching ooh, what if he was really into it? Or, you know, when they have the yeah. the hidden cousins or whatever, it's like, yeah, they did have these kind of cousins over here, but mm-hmm. it wasn't like a big reveal and it wasn't Margaret who discovered it. So they just kind of like use uh, actual events and kind of tweak it. So yeah, I, I don't think it's necessarily any more or less, I guess, historical than a lot of things that we watch or a lot of movies that we watch on our podcast. So I, so I guess in general, we can still keep talking about the show here. I was just kind of curious to get both of your perspectives on the monarchy in general not to get you thrown into the tower of london dan but just kind of where you <laughs> where y'all how, what your views are on its continued existence or how you know is it, is it a point of pride is it a point of, point of embarrassment and obviously you're just one citizen but yeah I, I certainly don't speak for the entire country nor should i <laughs> but my own personal view is that it's outdated it's a antiquated system i think you're born into it and it must be just a drag. I mean, yeah, you, you get given privileges, but um, personally, I, I don't. I can't see myself li- living in, under that much scrutiny. Mm. I think it would drive the person insane. No, right. And it does in many, in many cases. Yeah. But I, I just think it's very, very outdated, and um, it scares me that, that someone can have total immunity for and and be able to just the queen could do anything she wanted and not be locked up for it and it's you know to have the idea of someone who has sovereign immunity to me is quite a scary thing not that i think the queen's going to go around doing anything but i guess in in history obviously people have used that and um 
think it's an odd and strange thing that still exists. And Australia is still part of it. And that's what I was going to ask as well. Yeah, the Aussie, Aussie perspective as far as being just, under, not even just the monarchy in general, but like being under the Commonwealth because we, uh, we made for darn sure we broke away from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've uh, Australia's been meaning to break away from the Commonwealth for years. And I think we tried to vote maybe when I was younger we voted and they still agreed to be part of the Commonwealth. I'm okay still being with it if it gives us some sort of availability to be able to work and live in the UK for a long period of time. Oh, but right. other than that, I don't feel like it does that much towards it. And my family, are, my background is Maltese and they've broken away from the monarchy, but they still somewhat take part of it. And in the crown as well, there's a lot of mention of Malta, which I got a little bit excited about. And then I also watched it with my mum and she was mentioning uh, certain parts of um, the monarchy in a way, how much they loved coming to Malta. I think it's just like a British, a lot of Brits liked going there in general. There's, um, yeah. So Dan, do you think that there is enough of the the rest of britain that shares that sentiment and do you see it as any kind of a possibility that there would be some sort of successful abolition of a monarchy anytime soon um peace peacefully i don't think so yes either way (laughs) i can't if you'd have asked me 10 years ago i might have said yes it's it's gonna go away at some point but the more uh, kind of celebrity and particularly you mentioned harry and megan earlier Nicole, mm-hmm. I think the the route that they're going down, I think, is going to keep it alive longer than it than it should. That's my own view, but I th- I feel like I mean I'm not offended that they exist. I just don't I don't much care, and I just think if it it would just free up a, a lot of resources if these people didn't exist. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, because Rich and I have talked about this before. Like what seems like a pretty big disparity in popularity between the Queen and Charles. Charles. And so at some point, I mean, probably pretty soon, but you know, who knows, maybe, maybe, uh, long may she reign. This isn't airing for another nine months. (laughs) (laughs) Oh Oh, yeah. Good point. At time of recording uh, for all (laughs) of this, (laughs) but, uh, there seems to be, you know, a, a pretty big difference in the way that she's viewed and how popular she is versus, uh, versus Charles. So I don't know if maybe you think that that might have any effect or if there's the general, sympathy you know towards having a monarchy in general is just strong enough that it wouldn't really matter i oh that's interesting because it's been the way it is for so long as long as i've been alive she's been the queen for a record reign isn't it as for any monarch for britain for sure there's actually you know, part of the parts of the world that are longer but she's got the british record it's been since the 50s though like it's over 70 right years, no right right or almost 70 years I think she's going for a hundred year ruling, <laughs> which would make me a pensioner by the time that she, uh, <laughs> she disappears. But she wasn't always like, though, at the start. True, her popularity's kind of ebbed and flowed. Yeah, it seemed like that they weren't really a big fan of her. And then in season, I think halfway through season two, uh, who was it? Someone created an article about her and just saying how dated the royal family are and then from there i guess she she was more liked because she became maybe a little bit more familiar with what 
everyone's going through and yeah she's always had the issue of seeming aloof and so i think anytime she could humanize herself it would kind of help in the public eye and and she does always Mm. seem to be i don't know she's not controversial which uh, you know to her credit i mean always you can't say that about the rest of her family so i think she's done a good job of towing the line in a way that everyone can at least tolerate her yeah i guess she's been very by the book yeah since she's been in the royal family boring in a good way (laughs) yes yeah um i'm definitely interested to see what how they cover certain subjects in future seasons yes the crown yeah because it's going to be it's uh oh shoot it's amelda stanton i think is going to be the queen in seasons five and six now i do like how they did that with each uh each two seasons having the new cast to kind of age it up through the decades I, i think that's really clever to follow up on Logan's point, I, what I could see as far as a potential abolition goes, I would see it being if you had someone like a Harry who's kind of over it, who also then is the heir and becomes king, I could see like him being like, you know what, I'm just going to walk away and end it. It would take someone like that, like the monarch of themselves choosing to step down in a deal where they don't have a replacement. It probably it would take someone like that, which again, that's just going to be hit or miss over the decades if they... I think it has to be it has to be monarch driven in my opinion. My, my, minus yeah. uh, minus a beheading. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's um, so it's Charles and then William. I think is yes. next yeah. in line. So it'll be Charles for a bit, and then we'll we'll see. We'll see. I've, I've been saying, and again, <laughs> the, the danger is recording so far ahead of time. I've, I've been saying since I was like a teenager, I was like, oh, I bet the Queen outlives Charles, <laughs> and then it goes straight from the Queen to William. But I mean, Charles is I think in fair health as well, so. We'll see. We'll see. I'll take that bet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> fair. Fair. <laughs> uh, and uh, I was going to ask. So I feel like too. I, I'm always kind of curious to what extent because like, you know, the whole history is written by the winners thing, and you always you only get the history of your from your size perspective. So specifically, it's kind of going away from the crown here, but looking at the Revolutionary War, and I'm curious to get. <laughs> your all's view on well especially dan's i guess being the brit with when the americans got their independence we're kind of just you know it's like we defeated you know the british gloriously on the field of battle and we celebrate that every year on the fourth of july but i think i've kind of heard that the british just kind of see that as yeah we just decided you weren't worth fighting for anymore you were too annoying so we went home so where where's <laughs> what do you guys kind of learn growing up about the you know all the colonies but then like the american independence movement or american revolution um almost nothing Okay, it's a footnote. <laughs> it's, I don't remember it being covered at all. Having said that, I wasn't present for a lot of school, so I did miss out on quite a few lessons. But um, I feel like a lot of my childhood in terms of history lessons were taken up by British culture, and the wars were huge. I mean, that was it was World War One and World mm. War Two that was drummed into us a lot. In terms of overseas stuff, the only things that I've kind of picked up about wars outside of the UK and stuff like that is from what I've seen in movies. And then gone back and researched, sort of kind of reversed, reversed, researched it from having seen the movie. So I don't, I don't really have much of an opinion on that side of things, unfortunately, because I'm just not well educated enough. That makes a certain amount of sense, though, like just from a purely logistical perspective on education. Just because the British Empire was so huge that there are so many places on Earth, you know, that gained their independence from Great Britain that, like, if you had to learn about all of those, like, you wouldn't have time to learn about anything else. Because it's just like, (laughs) there's so many countries who it's like, we gained our independence from Great Britain. So, you know, like, the the number is just so staggeringly big that it, it makes sense to kind of 
not really focus on that. I, I can't help but think it's maybe an element of sweeping it under the carpet a little bit as well. That that yeah. That I mean, the, the government's write the, the curriculum, so right, right. I don't know that for sure. <laughs> could be making that up. We glorify it, you ignore it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, which could also be a factor of me only remembering kind of British things in school being taught. Aren't British great and stiff up a lip and all of that stuff? Oh, yeah. right. The parallel it makes me think of is uh, we've talked about it before with so the Jews in Egypt, not to not to equate what the Americans went through with the British to like the Jews in Egypt, but so the idea is you know the whole you know Old Testament stuff is focuses on you know the Jews escaping slavery in Egypt, but then you look at Egyptian records and they're like who? So it's almost just right. not even existent from the other from the other side. And then uh, Nicole, I'm kind of curious. I feel like so we kind of learn American history is kind of like okay we of course you know neglect the native americans and then we kind of talk about british colonies and then it's fighting the british for our independence but i would see australia as having almost a similar very similar history to the united states with dealing with the natives and then the british colony and they didn't have the full separation but still obviously very independent and just i'm curious how australian history ties in with uh britain and all that um I guess what I learned at school, we learned a little bit about the first settlement as well as World War One. World War One was like a major part of history that we learned at school and a bit of World War Two. I became more interested in it when I traveled to Europe. And also I, ha- I was dating someone at the time who was very interested in history. So every time we would travel together, <laughs> he would be like, oh, this is this and this is that. And I remember there was an anniversary for the Battle of Waterloo and he's like, oh, I'm going to do a boys trip and I'm heading on to that. I was like, yeah, that's fine. And I ended (laughs) up hanging out with my mates for the three days that he was out doing that. But yeah, I I worked on a program, a mini series very briefly called The Secret River, which is based on a book that talks about um, early settlement. And watching that 10 years after I had finished school, I learned more and more about indigenous and how you know the brits you know came and just took over and and it still hits today on how they feel about the white settlement oh right yeah in certain states yeah yeah we're all just here to pick on dan today <laughs> yeah <laughs> resident brit that's fine it's, it's interesting yeah, that's fine. to me that you guys both mentioned that there was a a large focus on World War One in yeah, your history yeah. classes because yeah. for us in the U.S., there's a big focus on World War Two, but almost nothing on World War One. And I mean, that has a lot to do with the fact that the U.S. was only involved right towards the very end. But you would think that having gone, you know, going through a world history class of World War One would be a big deal. And like we learn about it, but very it's, briefly, yeah. it's very much a footnote and. And almost just kind of like a setup for this is just yeah. kind of some necessary setup information you need to learn about World War II mm. uh, instead of like learning about it in its own right. So that's interesting. Gallipoli was a major part of our history um, and a place that I would like to visit at some point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and Anzac Day is like a huge yeah. holiday. Oh, yes. And we don't yeah. have anything like, well, I guess our Veterans Remembrance Day. Remembrance Day? Yeah. Oh, Maybe Remembrance Day is more of a British holiday, or like a um, day. Is Remembrance Day, is that November 11th? Yeah. Okay. Okay, we just call that Veterans yeah. Day. So we, in Australia, we ha- Anzac Day is our big public holiday regarding war. 
And Remembrance Day, it's just like a regular day, except we just stop at 11 o'clock and, and that's it. And then we go on hmm. with our day. Um, I was kind of done with history stuff. I was going to ask for movie recommendations if Logan doesn't have any other history-related questions. Um, yeah, not that I can think okay. of. Okay. Um, so any any movies you all would recommend to us to watch for, so specifically historical-based stuff that we could maybe watch for our podcast at some point, not to put you on the spot here. Oh. Ooh, interesting. Uh, Gallipoli, I guess. We, we've already done an episode on Gallipoli. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. <laughs> that was a good one. Oh, I'm trying to think. The one that comes to mind immediately is, and it's purely because I was listening to the score in the shower before we recorded uh, 1917, because it's just a brilliant oh, movie. Yes, which we, I think we talked about, but we didn't yeah. do a full episode on, right? I think we, because it was like, it came out, so it came out after we had already covered that's World right, War One, but that's only right. barely. It was like a couple months, right. so I think we talked about it in the hiatus episode that's for right. that season. But we didn't ever do a full episode on it, which I think maybe we like. Should we probably go should, back and yeah. Yeah. put one in because it's really good. Yeah, it's an excellent. That's good. Yeah. If you guys want to watch him like a mini series, Secret River, I don't know if it's available for you, but I've I've got a DVD somewhere. I don't know if that will, <laughs> if you'll be able to. What's it called? At the Secret River, based on the first um, settlement here in Australia. Ah. Yeah. I'm intrigued. Um, yeah, normally we just do movies, but obviously we're getting ready to do The Crown and, and later Vikings, so we uh, are definitely interested in uh, well, anything. Of course, like Logan and I says, too, it's like, well, we don't do an episode on it. We just like to watch good stuff, so if anything yeah, yeah. that uh, fits that bill. Um, I've, I don't, I can't think of any more history movies. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> <laughs> yes yes no we, we we did an episode it was kind of a running it was even a running gag all throughout i would mention bill and ted's whenever they came up in the timeline and then we finally when we got to the late 80s we did an actual bill and ted's episode and logan just had to shake his head as i'm like nerding out over bill and ted's because <laughs> i i grew up watching it so i i'm I adore it, and uh, Logan's Logan's too young, so he's just like it's kind of lame, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's before my before my time, so it's it's a little a little cheesy for me. It's definitely a nostalgia trip. Yes, but so great. <laughs> yeah, so great. <laughs> Salad dressing, dude. <laughs> <laughs> young Guns too. I did not watch the Young Guns movies. Um, which actually, Logan, you're you're the Western guy. Did you ever watch the Young Guns movies? I don't think so. I think I didn't because I was probably like fourteen ish when they came out, and I was. I was a little late to raw-rated movies, is what I guess what it comes down to. So I think I kind of missed the Young Guns window there by a year or two. And so, hey, and ultimately, too, I, I really appreciate having both of you on here. And for everyone listening, give the Twin Picks podcast a listen. We're both kind of in the world here of these small podcast creators, and it's fun. We're gonna do we're gonna do this anyway. We enjoy doing it, but I think you know ultimately the goal for any podcaster is to gain an audience. So if you enjoy history and film, give Twin Picks a listen. I mean that I just kind of like just help us help each other out and uh, continue to grow our audiences. So thank you both for spending some time with us today, and uh, hopefully everybody checks out your podcast. And uh, and where can they find you guys? You can find us on Instagram at TwinPixPod. That's really the best place to catch up with us, I would say. Awesome. Yes, thanks again for joining us today. Yes. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll catch you later. <laughs>